Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey friends, welcome to Millennial Money, the podcast where I, Shauna Compton Game, get to chat with some super, super inspiring people who will in turn inspire us all to get up, 
take back our bank accounts and chase after the life we want to live. And I am pumped for this episode. You know that I love absolutely anything that has to do with travel. And on this episode, I get to chat with Gavin and learn how we can travel more with less stress. You know, when I was younger, I had this really true sense of adventure, like, yeah, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. <laughs> and oftentimes that's awesome. And like, I like to say a lot, you know, you can't have a good story with all good experiences. You need conflict. You need bad things to happen to make a good story. So if you want to make good stories, go out there and just wing it because <laughs> you'll have some bad things happen to you. You'll almost get mugged. You'll have no place to stay and sleep outside at a park or whatever. Uh, but if you want to really make the most of your time and be less stressed out, then I highly recommend using an expert. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. I've had so many business ideas over the years. And if you know me, I've always got something that I'm plotting that's swirling around in my head. There's always a new idea, which is what I think is kind of fun about life because you get their endless ideas. And I remember I just turned 30 when I went on this trip and I was really exhausted when I came home and I thought, why don't they have travel tours for people my age that are young and hip? Because all the tours I ever saw were people a lot older than me, which of course is fantastic. But I really wanted to hang out with interesting people that were around my age and have cool experiences, but I, I just couldn't find anything like it. So, of course, I thought, well, I could just create it, right? Why not? <laughs> Except I realized that I love travel and I don't really want to open a travel company. Gavin, on the other hand, must have read my mind. He's the founder and CEO of Stride Travel, this company that connects you with the best expertly planned trip for you so you can save time, you can save money, you can save a lot of stress, and most importantly, you can have some really epic adventures. So before our chat, I thought, do I really want to travel with a group of people after all? I was kind of going back and forth before I chatted with Gavin, but Gavin was really, really convincing that I could actually have more travel with less stress. And I really like that motto. It's, of course, no secret that we all have this like sense of adventure. Nobody wants to wait until they're in their 60s or 70s to travel and explore. So I wanted to start out with a little bit of just kind of a bang question. You know, how can we get the most authentic travel experience without draining our bank account? Yeah, it's it's an important question because it can seem overwhelming when you think about it either in the abstract or you go to the trusty Google and start searching. It can get overwhelming. <laughs> so, you know, I think one of the short answers is that's a little bit counterintuitive to some people is when you go with a local tour operator, a travel expert, they will often take you to more authentic and more off the beaten path type experiences. And it's counterintuitive right. because a lot of people have this vision in their head of a, of a traditional tour guide wearing what, you know, waving a flag or an umbrella <laughs> and, you know, 50 uh, or so plus tourists that are with an average age of 75 kind of hobbling yes. along behind them. Right. And no one wants to be that. No millennial wants to be that. They're like, no, I am an adventurer. I'm independent. But, you know, that is certainly one type of tour. For some people, that may be a way to travel. But there are 
tours have evolved and tour operators and travel experts have evolved. And so what's interesting is I, I just want to share a little anecdote on this. You know, when I was in my early twenties, I traveled to China and I wanted to get, I was in Beijing and I wanted to get authentic Peking duck. Maybe you've had an experience of course. like this. Yes, you right? have to, right? So I used a physical, this was in the early 2000s, so the internet wasn't quite as robust as it is now. I actually used a physical Lonely Planet guidebook. And it was great. Wow. A lot of useful information there. And I showed up in a sort of hole-in-the-wall, back-alley sort of uh, Chinese restaurant, and it felt really authentic as I walked in. And I sat down, and then I looked around, and about half the restaurant were people that were clearly not originally from China. And I literally saw two other people with that blue Lonely Planet guidebook <laughs> on their table. <laughs> and it was really interesting because I realized, you know, at that day and age that where I thought I was finding this really authentic place, and it was, the Peking duck there was fantastic. But often, you know, we think we're being independent, but if we use the same information source, then a lot of us independent travelers can end up at the same places. And over time, you know, that can feed on itself and, and sort of remove some of that local flavor and true authenticity. Now, contrast that if you go with a tour operator, the good ones, and there are many good ones, they'll take you to different places because they know the slightly less convenient ways uh, and they spread out sort of where they, they take people to find those unique authentic places. So just right. to find an authentic place, I think it's an important frequent misconception for, for younger travelers in particular that you know, all tours have to be 50 people crowded on and off this big coach bus and, uh, you know, missing the real flavors. But ironically, you can often get the more authentic experience when you go with a good one. Well, and I think, you know, you're absolutely right. Like when I think about tour groups, I or or just even booking a tour, you know, there's like sweat beads start coming on my forehead <laughs> thinking about like, oh, my gosh, we got to be around all these other people that maybe we don't like or it's just not, I guess, is as um, it doesn't feel as adventurous or, you know, like you're going out and you're finding all of these gems yourself. And I think that that's a fear that so many other people have, which kind of steers them away from the idea of any sort of organized travel. But, you know, how can we as travelers, as people that want to have these adventures, like is there a way we can decipher like all of our different travel options? Like if we're a certain type of person, is something better for us than something else? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that, you know, my company has developed, my company is called Stride Travel. And we saw exactly that issue um, and, and we tried to solve it. And it really started actually from my own personal experience. I wanted to do the Inca Trail trek to Machu Picchu. And you have to use a tour operator to do that. The Peruvian government requires that as a, you know, you have to use licensed guides. And it's an amazing experience. I highly recommend it for anyone who's at all, even a little bit adventurous. Um, yeah, it just, it just sounds amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. It's definitely one of my top three, like, global trips. But so what I found there is it was really hard to, there were a bunch of supposedly great guides and operators, but also some that were not great, right? They may have been really cheap and budget, but had not good experience. And there were some that were expensive and not great. And it was not clear how to decipher the difference because TripAdvisor and other large travel companies didn't have a category for this type of travel experience. You know, they're focused on hotels or flights. So Stride created this tool where we've now searched 
over 30,000 unique itineraries from over 1,200 tour operators and travel experts. We've made them searchable, comparable, and you can put in a little bit of information on our site and tell us what type of trip you want, what's your personality, how old you are, and then we'll match you with the best curated list of trips for your style and budget. And that's Ah. the easiest way that you can find sort of these organized trips, but find one that's going to be right for you. Because, yeah, there are some tour operators that literally have age maximums, right? Tour operator like a Contiki or a a Top Deck. Those guys, you know, if you're over 35 or you're over 39, you can't go on the trip, right? It's for geared towards younger people. And you similarly have operators like Road Scholar who uh, have minimum ages. You have to be over 55 to be able to go. So we help travelers find that their sort of right tribe while they're traveling in a really fast and easy way and with reviews and sort of professional editorials so you can have confidence that you really know what you're getting. And I think that's so interesting because I know when uh, my husband and I love to travel and I think that's the only reason we work really is so we, <laughs> we, I hate to say it, but if I'm going to be honest, I think that's probably the reality. But there, you know, we find like there are lots of options for people that are, say, like 30 or even like 25 and under. And then, you know, we look at some river cruises and things and we're like, okay, everybody in the picture is clearly way older than us. (laughs) But there's like this gap between like 30 and say like 50 something where... It's hard to find something where you feel like, yeah, I'm going to go and like those people then are going to become my friends or at least we're going to have these like interesting conversations. So it's great to be able to know that there are, you know, some options for if that's like really the way you like to travel or maybe even if you've never tried traveling that way, I I think it might be interesting. Try it, you know, just as a a side joke, when on uh, my honeymoon with my wife, we traveled around China, interior China, because we'd both been there previously. At the end, because it was pretty adventurous, we did a river cruise on the Yangtze River, and we had never done a river cruise before. As we got on board, you know, all the staff are are local Chinese except for one European director, and, you know, she welcomed us on board, and she said, hey, you know, well, welcome on board. You're our youngest guests. And I was like, this entire voyage? And she said, no, ever. (laughs) I mean, she was kidding. We weren't actually, there were other, you know, I was in my, my thirties, but so that is definitely the stereotype, right? That, um, that river cruises in particular for older people. But one thing I've found is that, you know, even when I went to Machu Picchu, for example, in my twenties, these, some tour operators and trips, the, the group of people that want to take that type of trip almost by definition are more similar to you than you initially realize, regardless of their age, right? These are adventurous minded people. They value, they're open-minded, they're curious, they are friendly, uh, they're active. And what I found on this, on this one particular trip, you know, there was two women from Britain who were in their fifties that were friends that were traveling. There was a husband and wife from Sweden uh, that spoke good English that were probably in their fifties or early sixties. And then there was a couple of other uh, young men and women in their 20s like me. And we all hung out and we had a great time. You know, there's 12 of us yes. in total. And at first blush, if you had just shown a picture, you would say, what do these guys all have in common? They probably, 
find this awkward, <laughs> but we didn't because we had this shared love of travel, uh, shared love of Peru and the experiences we were having. And it was surprisingly, you know, we built this real camaraderie. Um, and so for someone who hasn't had that type of mixed age travel experience, I can totally empathize with the hesitancy, right? And <laughs> the fear that it just may feel awkward or boring, but I've now done it many times. And I can tell you that it was never, uh, it was never boring. There were moments and it's not like, you know, anytime you're dealing with a group of people, whether it's your family or someone else, it's not like everyone gets along a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> right? We're all human, but it was never boring. It was always a really positive experience. So I, I highly recommend trying it. Yeah, I love to hear that. And I wanted to back up just a little bit, uh, talking kind of about some of the biggest costs that you see travelers maybe even waste their money on that maybe they didn't think about that mm -hmm. they could then maybe like spend their money a little bit better on these types of trips. Like, are do and does anything come to mind? Yeah, there's a couple of thoughts. One is just to be mindful of your accommodation for most people, you know, where you stay is the largest cost of your total trip. And depending on how long you're traveling for, like much more than your flights. And, you know, my view has generally always been, unless you're going to a specific resort place, you want to relax and hang out, which is cool. I like to do that for a couple days at the end of a big trip. Um, you're basically just there to sleep. So, don't True. spend as much money. Like your time is limited. You're there. Like my goal is to spend as little time as possible. And this gets me in trouble with my wife sometimes because she wants to relax <laughs> a little bit more. But my goal is, you know, up at dawn, back <laughs> when I have no energy left, fall asleep and I could sleep almost anywhere. So personally, I think, uh, you know, don't overinvest in getting a really nice hotel because you should be away from the hotel the vast majority of the time. And I say hotel, I mean, even if you're staying at an Airbnb or some other type of accommodation, uh, I would prioritize convenience over how nice it is so that you're maximizing time doing the experiences being out and about while you're there. And you save that money and, and you can use it for, you know, doing more experiences, whether it's zip lining in a sort of hardcore adventure way or taking a, a really interesting, authentic, you know, tour by a, by a local historian. That's so true because when you ask anybody who's been on a trip, tell me about your trip, they might mention something about where they stayed, even if it was super fancy, but they're usually going to tell you about all of the amazing things, either they ate or they did. So I think that's like such a great way of thinking about your, like maximizing your dollars in, you know, how can we do the most adventures? Or even if you're just a spa person, you know, that's like some sort of experience. Exactly. And a spa is a great example, by the way, if, because my wife is really into spas. She's Don't. a good woman. She is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't stay at a spa is my recommendation because it's way more expensive, especially if you're traveling internationally. Stay at a local, you know, regional area. It'll feel more authentic and interesting and be much cheaper. And then go to a local spa as opposed to staying at sort of a spa resort because you'll pay, you know, three times or more the price for those that same or very similar spa treatment. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. 
I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. 
And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to chat about something that I think is really super fascinating. At least I think it's really interesting. There was this recent uh, Yahoo article that came out about Shaquille O'Neal, the famous basketball or ex-basketball player, and it shares his top personal finance lesson. And I read this article. I'm like, this is too good for us not to have a chat about. So here's what he said. He had this piece of paper and said, this is $100. Now rip it in half. He said, you save 50, you can play with the other 50. But the difference between rich and wealthy is you rip the 50 in half and with 25, you can do whatever you want. But with the other 25, you actually have to save it, which I thought is very, very fascinating way to explain this. So he talks about his attempt to save 75% of his earnings for taxes, retirement, investing, and long-term savings. Now, of course, he has a lot more money than most of us have to work with, but I like the logic behind this. So his savings plan, it says, enabled him to avoid touching $40 million that he signed with the Orlando Magic in 1992. He says, I didn't touch my first check until I got married and started having children, which I think is really, really interesting. So, of course, they say his net worth is somewhere around $700 million, which is a lot of money, I would beg. Maybe it's probably more than that. But he's learned that the concept, or I should say the difference between this idea of being rich and being wealthy. And of course, I know those two words have a little bit of a stigma. A lot of people don't even like those words because that feels out of touch. It doesn't feel like you're I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about those words? I think for me, those words are okay, but I can understand where the negative connotation kind of comes in with those words. But what he's saying is the difference between somebody that actually just has money, that maybe goes to work, makes a lot of money, whatever that definition might be for you. So the difference between that person and the person that has quote unquote true wealth. So that person that probably never outlives 
their money, that has money to give away, gives money to charity, maybe has money to leave to their kids, whatever it may be, that that person thinks about that $100 that they get very differently and that savings is part of the integral part of the strategy and that savings comes first. So savings doesn't come second or last. And I talk about that a lot on the podcast where it's really easy to say, okay, here's all the money I have to spend every month and I'm going to look at the bottom. And if there's any money left at the end, then that's the money I'm going to put in the savings. But what he's saying is his strategy, even though he made a lot of money, is that of that money that comes in, he's going to say, okay, right off the bat, 25% of that is going to go into savings and I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to keep that money in savings. And what he's done is basically programmed his brain into automatically thinking, this is what happens whenever I have income. And I think that's such a great way if you can change your thinking around savings and you can turn savings into something that you used to do afterwards, if there's any leftover, to something that you actually are going to do first. Like it becomes, you've heard that saying, right? Pay yourself first. I mean, this is where it comes from, that idea of putting yourself almost on as one of the expenses every month. And so just doing that repetitively over and over again. And the beauty of that is then you have this money banked away month in, month out. Hopefully it's growing. Hopefully it's earning some sort of interest. But what that does then is it gives you it gives you lots of options in life. It gives you lots of choices. If for some reason you want to leave your job or maybe you're freelance and some months aren't so great or maybe you want to go on a big trip or buy a house or whatever, you've already built in this automatic habit of savings and you've got this really nice fun there for you. So I just think it's super interesting. Just wanted to share with you that, uh, hey, even Shaq is really versed on smart personal finance. Yeah, that is actually such a good point. So I'm curious, like, tell me a little bit more about Stride. So like, let's say I was curious about, you know, certain locations, some place that I wanted to go. Like, what was what would the process be like if I was like trying to figure out, you know, what's the best option for me? Yeah, so we have two easy ways to help people connect quickly with the right trip for them. One is just a standard search box type experience where you can type in anything you want, like a country name, like Burma or France or an activity or a theme idea like spa or safari. You can just type that in the search box and then we'll bring you up a list of all the best rated uh, trips for that type of thing. And then there's filters on that you can adjust those criteria in real time. So it could be things like physical level, right? Like, so we rate all these trip itineraries on a scale of one to five, where one is very easy, basically no walking. And a five is like an extreme trek where you're backpacking and carrying your own camping gear. Right. And then two, three, four is in between. So we have rated all these different types of itineraries to make it easy for people to filter and find that right experience. The other way is we have this trip finder process where we have Rover, who's our stride travel guide dog. He's our little AI assistant, and he'll ask you a couple of questions up front about what type of trip you're looking for and who you are. And then he'll give you a curated list of the top three trips 
that would best match your style and preference for this type of trip based on destination, activity style, uh, any particular experiences you want to have. And so that helps quickly narrow it down so that you can get a more manageable number of trips to focus on. And then you can always adjust from there as well and find more. So you can either use a search experience if you kind of know specifically what you want already, or you can use this trip finder experience that you ask sort of in a get asked a series of questions. And uh, within less than three minutes, you can get three very good trips for your interests. Okay, so I got to ask you, we already talked about like some of your favorite destinations, but if you had like three trips that you could like highly recommend, what would those be? So obviously, you know, trips are really personal because yes, depends on how physically adventurous you want to be, how culinarily adventurous your, your taste <laughs> for a lot of different things, right? But for my personal preferences, I mentioned already that Machu Picchu is one of my favorite trips. So I recommend in particular that people visit places that are changing fast. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So changing fast either due to climate change, which unfortunately is a big issue. And we're actually announcing a new program on destinations impacted by climate change uh, in the next couple of days, but also from cultural change, right? So I encourage people, especially young people, to prioritize visiting those places. If you're interested in Patagonia, go sooner rather than later because those glaciers are retreating and some of the, and they're retreating fast. Um, So that's like one place to visit. Machu Picchu, visit it because it's beginning getting so crowded, you know, with the rise of the good news is that travel has gotten cheaper and more accessible global travel for people around the world, not just in Western countries. But the downside of that is over tourism. And so you want to visit some of these places before they get even more over touristed (laughs) uh, because they're really special. um, But they're, they're better experiences when they're less crowded. And the third thing I'd say is, is safaris. If you like animals at all, or even if you don't like one of my most just incredible trips was being in East and Southern Africa, doing a walking safari in Zambia, hiking Kilimanjaro, doing safaris in Tanzania and Zimbabwe and Kenya. I mean, seeing these huge animals that make you feel small in this wide open savanna, but in a good way, right? Make you feel small in the true sense of the word awe, right? You experience awe and wonder in this just sort of primitive, positive way. It's just really fantastic. And I think, you know, sometimes people talk about transformative travel and, and when you get really close to nature like that, it can really feel transformative. Yeah, I was in Kenya now about oh, almost eight years ago in Cape Town. And there, I mean, I can just doubly affirm, like there is nothing like seeing something that is so totally different from the way you live. And it just was like so just eye-opening to me. Like there were so many people that I saw that were really, when you say poor, I mean, it, it just sort of embodies that word. And yet they were so happy. I mean, it just, it made me feel transformed to borrow your word and just like so happy and so appreciative for what I had. But but going on the safari, I mean, it's really hard to explain to somebody who's never done that, but it is absolutely worth the cost. And there are lots of ways to do it more affordably. But uh, I mean, it just, 
it's just it's like hard to explain. You know, it's not like going to a zoo. I mean, it's just like seeing some of these things like up close and personal. You're right. It just changes your life in like really bizarre and profound ways. Yeah, it's it's really important because there are a lot of things that you can say, oh, well, I've been to a zoo. I've seen an elephant in person. You're like, yeah, it was cool. But, you know, I, I don't, you don't feel burning desire. But that's like saying you've seen a video of a solar eclipse versus <laughs> experiencing a solar eclipse. Like I was this is an experience that for me, it wasn't actually on my personal bucket list to experience a full solar eclipse because I was like, well, you know, I've been in the dark, I've been at in light. So it changes quickly. It's like, okay, I get the concept, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then a couple of years ago, I went up to Oregon and experienced a total solar eclipse and it was incredible. You can't really describe it because the states of being in darkness and being in something like you've experienced on them before, but that fast transition being with other people, seeing this very, it was like natural and yet felt so unnatural it's it's just yeah. it has to be experienced to truly be understood. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's so awesome. And I wanted to ask you. I mean, obviously, like technology is technology helped build your company. Technology is really, I think, like a pushed us along in travel. But are there any downsides you see to technology when we travel? Like, is it is it yeah. keeping us just in those those you know places that everybody is going <laughs> to, or like, what are some of those downsides that we should be aware of? Well, yeah, technologies are is a tool in the broadest sense, right? And, and like any tool, it can be used for good or for bad. It, you can use it either to help and make your your life easier or better, or you can end up getting uh, misusing it intentionally or not. So, you know, one of the most common things I see where technology can shift from being helpful to people to to taking away from the enjoyment of a travel experience is um is obviously your smartphone and nowadays you know most people can get cheap data plans internationally even uh and so it can be really tempting to be constantly on your phone checking stuff out i mean maybe it starts with curiosity I, i'm guilty of this sometimes i'm like oh i could just wikipedia everything right i'm traveling <laughs> and i just like oh this thing and then i want to wikipedia and learn more but every time you find yourself looking down, whether it's in the guidebook or at your phone, that means you're not looking up and out and around and smelling and touching and just really absorbing the true visceral real experience. And so I think that's, that's a, an obvious one that people feel in their day-to-day -day life, but it can sometimes get exacerbated when you're traveling um, because things like Google Maps can be so helpful. <laughs> to uh, <Yes. laughs> make sure you're not lost, but you have to, you know, make sure you, you put, put that phone back in its pocket uh, or wherever you keep it so that the vast majority of your time is, is spent looking outwards. I think, you know, that's, that's one thing. The other thing that, you know, has been talked about in some, in the travel circles, though it hasn't become a thing for the mainstream yet is virtual reality. Ooh, yeah. This is an interesting one because people have different thoughts on, whether virtual reality, what does that mean for travel, right? Is that going to help sell travel as some people are trying to do and come up with virtual reality sort of marketing type gimmicks? Or does virtual reality replace travel in some cases, right? My personal view based on what we were talking about earlier is that virtual reality will not and should not replace real travel because there are, it's, travel is so three-dimensional. 
So even with the best virtual reality type setups, it is still a pale imitation of the real thing. And, but I think that's something that we'll need to be mindful of because as especially young people, as people grow up and are more and more exposed to deeper and deeper digital experiences, um, you know, they can potentially have the sense that they never go on some big global trip because they think they've already experienced 90% of that real thing with none of the hassle and cost of travel. And so I do hope that for young people in particular, that, that that's something that, uh, you know, as virtual reality and other digital media become more mainstream, that we don't fall into that trap of, of not opening our, our eyes and using our feet to go out and actually physically move around and interact with the real world. That's such a good point. I've never even thought about that, but I could totally see how you could maybe let that virtual reality overtake your your actual experience of like really touching, feeling, smelling, uh, you know, a place because there's something to be said about, you know, being someplace that's so different. I wanted to ask you one question, you know, you talked about a lot of these kind of, uh, you know, not obscure places, but places that like are a little bit more difficult to get to. Like, what should someone be aware of when they want to go to some of these like harder to reach places and maybe they're not as easy to to fly into or to get to? Do you have any tips on, on that? Yeah. So, you know, one thing, um, you know, there's two ways you can use experts to help you travel somewhere difficult. One is you can go with a prearranged group tour, which I highly recommend. Um, I think more people would enjoy those than, than realize it. Um, but the other way is to, to use a travel expert, formerly known as a travel agent, right? <laughs> At one level, I'm sure young people <laughs> are like, what? what's a travel agent? That's like literally the definition of a job that was killed by the internet, right? <laughs> and yet, you You're know, right. so travel agents' jobs changed. And most travel agents actually went away, but there are now local experts. So instead of you used to be, if you wanted to get in an airplane, you had to go to a physical brick and mortar travel agency located somewhere near where you lived. They would print out a piece of paper and you had to take that to the airport. And if you lost that, you're in big trouble. Obviously that's not the case anymore, but they were truly ticket sort of takers and orders. Now you've got this group of specialty local experts. If you want to go to Croatia, there's someone who lives in Croatia or who has lived in Croatia, may live in Cleveland now, it doesn't really matter, but they're an expert on Croatia. They can help you plan the right trip, get there and experience the really interesting off the beaten path places outside of Dubrovnik and Split and some of the other more well-known cities within Croatia, just as an example. Or if you wanted to go to, for example, I was looking up earlier today, you know, Sakhalin Island off the east coast of Siberia, right? Not a tourist I've never spot, heard of that. Some re- <laughs> it's actually an interesting place. Like it, it, you know, there were these, you know, Soviet uh, and, and pre-Soviet basically criminal colonies that were there. It's this island north of Japan. Um, but that's also where the Siberian tigers are. That's one area. Ooh. And it's not a major tourism spot. But if you wanted to get there, it would be very difficult. There's no commercial flight, certainly from the US or any Western country, you'd have to go to Japan and then transfer in Russia and then get another flight in, you can do it. And you could figure it out yourself. But 
what I would highly recommend is that you find a travel expert to who's an expert in that area and have them for a couple hundred dollars in many cases, depending on how long and what you're trying to do, they'll quickly connect you with the right flight, the right ferry, the right lodging type situation, because you often aren't going to be nice, easy to book on the internet, Western hotels, even in 2019, in some of these really off the boat, beaten path, remote places. And they'll set that up for you in a way that I think is, you know, when I was younger, I had this really true sense of adventure, like, yeah, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. <laughs> and oftentimes that's awesome. And like, I like to say a lot, you know, you can't have a good story with all good experiences. You need conflict. You need bad things to happen to make a good story. So if you want to make good stories, go out there and just wing it because <laughs> you'll have some bad things happen to you. You'll almost get mugged. You're have no place to stay and sleep outside in a park or whatever. Uh, but if you want to really make the most of your time and be less stressed out, then I highly recommend using an expert. <laughs> so where should we all go? Like, how cool would a Millennial Money pod trip be? I think it would be so super fun. If Gavin's got you dreaming up your next adventure, which of course I am, head on over to stridetravel.com and check out all of their trip options, get your trip book, and then your only homework is that you absolutely have to send me a postcard. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. But before you leave, I want to empower you to embrace where you are today, the good and the not so good. And remember, nothing lasts forever. Just keep taking small steps every day and remember how awesome you truly are.